0: Howdy, howdy, howdy. This is Eric Tonis, editor of Waste Division Art Collective and one of the directors of Waste Radio Podcast Network. Just jumping in because we are introducing a brand new podcast streaming to our network. Uh, All the way from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, we have the Game of Pros Podcast, which is our newest uh, entry into the Waste Radio Network. Uh, and we thought we'd do a little intro, get everyone familiar. They have actually already recorded their first complete season, so we're going to be releasing, in order, episode by episode, their first season to get everyone familiar with them, and then they'll be coming out with, uh, season two later this summer. Uh, I also have a special guest here with me, recording, that I wanted to introduce the podcast with, uh, hey Chris. Hello.
1: Say hello. This Hi. is Chris chorus Hi.
0: Hi. Hello. Hello. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> this is chris of course he's one of uh w- a wasteoid you can call him you know does a lot of work on I prefer, and waste
1: i prefer waste division correspondent
0: okay yeah yeah i like that too that's probably like the most accurate yeah independent you, waste division
1: independent correspondent. waste contractor and, ooh, Ooh. well mm-hmm. that makes me sound like i'm like a hitman haul, yeah, or hauling poop or something Ooh, well either works I don't for wanna, me. I okay. Don't well I
0: don't anyways, we'll get we'll be back to your title later yeah, on. Yeah. Uh but Chris, I wanted you to give a little shout out to your friends because you're the ones who uh, first introduced me to this podcast and had them hit us up. So I figured it'd be fitting with you here me with me this weekend, sorry, uh to introduce the podcast a little bit and maybe give them a shout out. Yeah, it's uh it's Alina Cross and Dave Zaneski's podcast, Game
1: of Pros. It's fucking awesome. It's they call it a flash fiction. Uh, con, it's it's almost competition. Content, competition. It's it's fucking great. They they both take a subject, expound on it, write their piece on it, whether it be writing or whatever style piece they want to do on it, and then they have someone pick which one they enjoyed more and it's fucking great i think i'm actually in one of the episodes mine was mine was not
0: oh were you yeah oh, I, see i didn't even know that
1: yeah it was a little rough but it, it worked out on I mean, it was rough on my end it their stories were incredible just so incredible
0: well but... you hear that one of our wasty boys already is uh in this season so another uh excuse to listen to this awesome new podcast uh yeah, it's, I listened to, like, the first uh, couple episodes, and I really enjoyed it. They get, like, a, a week to prepare, I think it yeah. is, with a topic, and they come in and have someone judge against each other. One of them was, like, Alina had wrote a short story. Actually, this episode, uh, the first episode, Alina writes a short story, and Dave writes a sc- uh, screenplay style writing. Yeah. And so it's kind of fun to see them do different styles. And uh, I think it's a perfect fit for the Waste Radio Network because it brings in literary arts on a podcast.
1: There's some really great. They came up with a couple really great stories in in the first season of Game of Pros. It's really worth a listen. It's awesome, incredible.
0: Well, you heard it here first. Wastelands. We have an awesome new podcast, Game of Pros, to listen to. So this is their first episode, the pilot, and be on the lookout for the other twelve episodes in the season following that. And then uh, come this summer, season two will be on the horizon, and maybe we'll get some more waste collaboration on that. Welcome to Waste, Alina and Dave. Yeah. All right, guys. Enjoy. All right, gang, I wanted to jump back in here real quick to remind everybody to go check out our our collective Waste Division. That's waste-division.org, where we feature a variety of um, essays, poetry, fiction, visual art, music, uh, podcasts, obviously, on Waste Radio, um, photography. Uh, and we do some you know, festival event promotion too, so everyone should go check those out on Facebook, Instagram, and waste-division.org. I also wanted to give one last little plug to our Waste Radio podcast network. This is our budding and growing podcast network that we've started over the last few months. Uh, and I want to give a little plug to the shows that we currently have on there. We have four shows. Uh, our flagship show, Waste Books, the Perpetually Postponed Waste Books, uh, which is a, our book club podcast by uh, us Waste vision editors. Um, we're trying to get this next episode done for Blood Meridian here soon, so be on the lookout for that. We also have Filthy Talk from uh, one of our Waste editors, Phil Griffin. It's an interview-based podcast, uh, and then our new other newest one, Keller's Couch. Which comes from Will Goodridge and Keller Paulson out of Billings, Montana. It's like a mix between a talk show and interview, and also they do episodes of uh, sketch comedy. And that's really fun. So, and then along now with Game of Pros, we're going to have four full shows going on the uh, Waste Radio Podcast Network really exciting. You can find links to those on our website. We also have Waste Radio Facebook and Instagram and Podbean pages. So uh, everyone give those a check out and be on the lookout for more Waste Radio coming to a device near you. Cheers.
2: Yeah.
3: Stretching. Ready to get this fight
2: in. Good call. (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) Broadcasting is serious business.
4: We're all stretching now.
2: (laughs) I'm glad you're taking this seriously.
4: I'm about to beat some ass, so, you know.
3: Welcome everybody. Dave Z here with you,
2: and Alina is here too. Let's get ready to regale each other with stories.
3: And that is your brother, yes, Mister Benjamin Cross.
2: Yes, correct, Ben Cross.
3: And you're joining us to uh, ref,
2: yeah, essentially ref. to ref, yeah. Mm-hmm. This is yeah, definitely I'm going to be the officiant, the judge, the referee. Some would say the god of this little contest.
4: Yes, the actually, story master. Yeah, I like
2: that.
4: Let's okay. So if you're confused as to why the fuck we're talking about all this and what we are saying. So I had this brilliant idea last week, last Saturday. We were talking about something and Dave continued to say how great of a storyline it would be for a short story. And I told him, shut your mouth. (laughs) Because I already have a story, and it's better than yours. And Benjamin was there. He heard us in our fighting words, our beginning yeah, fighting words. I just
2: happened to be here. That's how I got on the podcast. I was playing video games at the right time. He was. <laughs> so it, could, it could happen to you.
4: <laughs> so then I decided that this was going to be real, and it was going to be Dave and I. So here are the rules, everyone. We are going to try something new. This is a little experiment that Dave and I are doing, and tentatively we are calling it Midnight Scaria Presents Game of Prose, and what that means is Dave and I will take one week to write a short story or script or song or poem, any kind of written, it just has to be a story, it has to have a beginning, middle, and end, we have exactly one week to write it on a topic, and it has to be a genre story. And then at the end of that week, we have someone that comes on. This week, obviously, we're having Ben because he was there when we first started arguing about it. And we will tell the story to our third party. And then we'll also talk about it, discuss it, you know, explain where we got the idea, praise each other, talk shit on each other. And then the third party is going to determine who wins. We don't get anything. We just get to brag for a week. And that third party will also be the one... Picking the topic for next week. Oh, is that how it goes? I didn't tell you this, Dave. Well, that's the prize. (laughs) Yeah. I didn't tell you this, Dave, but I texted my brother earlier and told him to think of a topic and it could be some ideas. Okay. And then he'll get to pick and then we'll do it next week. And then maybe we'll we'll see how this goes. We'll probably get someone else to be on to referee next week.
3: Absolutely. And then they'll pick the topic. So I've been shitting my pants a little bit over <laughs> the past three days. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is great, though. This is exciting because I, I've never been, one, I felt like I was back in school mm-hmm. and putting an assignment off to like the last minute. But I like this because this really puts your imagination into a pressure cooker. Oh, yeah. And we took the topic, which are we ready? We're ready. ready, The topic is as of March 9th. One of the biggest things you'll see in Weirton is not the biggest things, but one of the oldest biggest things you would see is the basic oxygen plan, which has now been demolished in a violent explosion. Yes. On March 9th.
4: Yes. We were both woken up by this explosion, it rocked our house. It was terrifying.
3: And that was kind of the catalyst for yes. the story mm-hmm. and well, this how podcast. How far
2: away is your house from that explosion? Because it's not nearby.
4: I mean, it's not near, but it's, I mean, it's just up.
3: I would say like three or three miles, three or four miles.
4: More than that. I would say maybe five miles. Uh,
3: yeah. Well,
2: but far enough that getting rocked by an explosion is pretty impressive. It, wo- yes. it woke us up.
4: Yes, yes. I would say five miles by the crow flies or however they say <laughs> it. <laughs>
2: Uh, Yeah, I've actually, I do have some fun facts about the basic oxygen
3: plant. Okay. Oh, look at you. Uh,
2: Yeah, you know, I wanted to uh, be a good judge, so I found out that the uh, basic oxygen plant is a steel-making method in which pure oxygen is blown into a bath of molten blast furnace iron and scrap metal. Damn. Yeah, let's see. Specifically, uh, the one in Weirton was, uh, took up approximately six acres of space. Um, I'm trying to find out what year it was built. Uh, I forget. Anyway, uh, oh, it was built in 1967. It was completed. Uh, And there was actually another demolition on that same space that uh, made room for the basic oxygen plant before the BOP, A basic oxygen plant was there. It was a shell plant, a warehouse turned factory that churned out as many as 70,000 howitzer shells a month in the 1940s to help kill Nazis.
4: Holy shit. I wish I could have seen that destruction. (laughs) Damn.
2: Uh, Yeah. So that's what came before. And then obviously it made a whole bunch of steel. And now it is gone. And the uh, person that owns that land that commissioned this destruction, completely mysterious at this point. The buyer for the land is totally unknown, despite the fact that this huge explosion happened in the middle of the town.
4: Very interesting. I didn't know it was that mysterious that people don't know. I mean, I guess I couldn't name a person, like one specific person that's doing this. But then again, I don't really care.
2: So my my source for most of that was uh, the Wheeling Intelligencer. Oh, okay. Get up.
4: All right. Thanks. Thanks well, thank for you, sourcing. Ben. Thank you.
2: So uh, that's that's the background for these stories.
4: I, I wrote my story really fast. I did it in like four days, right after this. So I didn't get all this information. I really wish I would have. I, I'm thinking of tidbits I could have added. But guess what? That's the whole point of
3: this. I went off of just pure nostalgia. Not even nostalgia the realization that I did not give a shit about that thing for all of my life. I mean, yeah, we drove past it. It It was still active when I, at least you, it was active when you were alive, right? I know it was active when I was alive. Yeah. Yeah. Ben, Ben and I had at least seen it in action, Yeah. but it was like, when was it nine 2000, whatever is whenever it really closed down for good. I never realized how huge that thing was, what an engineering Marvel it was and today, that would cost upwards in the billions of dollars. Yeah. Weirdson as a historical place. If you're really interested in, you know, where war was manufactured, <laughs> come check out Weirdson. <laughs> it looks like war happened. It does. It does.
4: OK, so to
2: begin, oh
4: who who's going to start? <laughs> Benjamin is going to flip a coin and we're going to call it.
2: OK, I'm going to say since I'm related to Alina, she gets to call heads or tails.
4: I'm going to call, enough. I'm going to call tails.
2: All right. The first completely unfair ruling by Benjamin Cross. Here we go. <laughs> it is heads. Oh, all right. So Dave, do you want to go first or second?
3: want to go second.
4: All right. All right. All right. All right. Okay.
2: All
3: right. Alina, whenever you're ready.
4: Okay. So I decided to do a short story because I'm much better at writing fiction and that format. I sort of like felt my way in. I'll talk a little bit more about it afterward. Everyone just like, just soak this in. All right. <clears throat> Let me get comfortable. Hmm. <clears throat> 7.15 a.m. My house shakes violently and I'm scared out of a deep sleep. As I flinched awake, I squeeze my dog who was laying in my arms. I bury my face back into her long fur and think earthquakes aren't typical for West Virginia. And I fall back to sleep. By 12.30 p.m., I had forgotten the earthquake since I had immediately fallen back to sleep and had assumed it was a nightmare when I woke up for work at 9. I noticed the sky was very overcast and the clouds were a bruised purple color as I drove out of town and began my commute. At work, I watched the video of the old basic oxygen plant being demolished downtown near me, and that's when I remembered being frightened awake that morning. I watched the video remembering the quake. I observed the aftermath of the demolition. A huge cloud of debris engulfed the houses near. My stomach sank. That looked bad. Had they evacuated those people? Those houses couldn't have been safe to be in. 8 p.m. It was gently raining when I drove back into town as soon as I crossed the state line. The streetlights were off at my exit and continued to be off as I made my way cautiously home, switching on my brights. I saw several people lumbering down the street slowly, their silhouettes moving through the darkness of downtown like people who had lost their way. Why were people out walking in the rain? Three police cars with their lights on were parked haphazardly at the grocery store, but I saw no one around. I drove into my garage and parked, pressing the automatic garage door button and hearing its old mechanisms closing the large door behind me. My dog was whining when I opened the door to the inside, near my kitchen. Her high-pitched wailing continued as I attempted to let her outside the front door. She instead bounded up the stairs and slid through the door to my roommate's room, quickly letting out an aggressive growl. Something was wrong in there, and I had to go in, but fuck, I didn't want to. My stomach dropped as I pushed open the door, just like it did early that same morning as I was jolted awake. I could smell vomit on the air. It hit me like a punch to the face. I quickly felt for the light switch and flipped it on. I wish to God I hadn't. My roommate was sprawled on top of his bed face down. "'vomit and bile seeping into the floor "'that he had at one point or several points expelled violently. "'It was a river of yellow with strings of red "'like blood through egg yolk. "'A few thick black veins snaked through the vomit, "'ending in gooey black and bloody red chunks. "'His skin was milky and dotted in translucent black spots "'that branched out and squirmed towards each other, "'bulging and worming their way to meet and grow. "'I could see through his hair that his scalp was entirely black.' and the strange, growing, writhing ink was making its way down his face. I finally screamed. His head popped up the moment the scream left my lips. My dog ran out of the room past me, and I heard her bolt down the stairs. I froze for a moment, not believing my eyes. My roommate sprang up from his bed and made for me with more athleticism than I had ever seen from him. I had enough time to quickly back out of the room and pull the door shut. I held it shut by the doorknob. The door was broken. It didn't latch. I knew the moment I let go, he was going to come after me. I struggled to keep the door closed, and I heard a wet, low chanting coming from my roommate as we fought over the door. I couldn't hold it much longer. He was overpowering me. I pulled as hard as I could, then quickly let go, sending him stumbling a step back. I took the opportunity to run down the stairs and out the front door. I noticed my dog didn't follow me. I ran out into the rain and heard my front door thrown open with a bang. I turned and saw my roommate. Red, yellow, and black vomit all down the front of his discount clothing store uniform. His forehead almost completely overtaken by the black infection under his skin. One of his eyes had turned into a shiny pool of ink. He abruptly stopped on the porch and screamed. The scream rolled naturally into a hysterical laugh. It's maddening and I yell at him to stop. I watched as the lights in the houses nearby turned on one by one. I froze in place. I began to hear that wet whisper again, but louder and coming from all around me. Front doors started banging open in all directions, making me jump. I could see the silhouettes of my neighbors as they began to move outside. I could smell acrid vomit in the air. I felt a sudden burning pain in my arm, like a lit cigarette being put out on my skin. I looked down in horror. Every moment a raindrop hit me, it sank into my skin and under it, leaving a spidery black mark. The rain. Oh God, the rain. Soon more and more, the spots appearing on my skin began burning and it was reaching out and multiplying, getting worse by the second. My roommate was still laughing and screaming hysterically. I could see my neighbors begin to join in as they slowly moved outside. My elderly neighbor had black spots all up her arms and big black boils growing in the corners of her mouth, shining and oozing. Her hands up to the elbows appeared dipped in tar. The couple next door looked the worst. They were almost completely infected by the black, moving mass growing under their skin. Both sets of eyes shined in the light from their porch, just shifting black seas where once joyful eyes resided. Their mouths looked like wide-open gaping holes, jaws hanging unnaturally loose. The flesh around their mouths stretched wide. I watched as this sweet woman's tongue dropped out of her gaping maw like a black, rotten apple off a tree. I began to cry. The neighborhood laughing drowned out my sobs. I felt a quake under my feet, the same one that woke me up hours ago. The laughing stopped all at once, and every black, viscous eye turned and looked directly past me. I could feel that I was going to be sick soon. My whole body still felt like it was being lit on fire, one matchstick at a time. I dropped to my knees and vomited. It was bile yellow with ribbons of deep red. It poured out of me like a fire hose. I heaved and felt something catch in my throat and I began coughing up a long, black, hairy string. I cried and grabbed it, not wanting to know it was at the other end, but needing to get it out of me. I pulled and felt it move up through my esophagus, something deep inside of me coming with it. I pulled again, the black hair sticking unnaturally to my tongue and fingers. I could see my hands were not completely infected and pitch black, looking and feeling like fire ants crawling under my skin. I pulled again and it came loose from my throat. A chunk of bloody, rotten flesh hit the ground with a squish and stuck to the sidewalk, jiggling back and forth. I coughed up a large amount of blood and felt it pouring down my chin. Another quake. I finally look up again and realize my neighbors have been quietly chanting behind me. They're all still looking past me. I turn and immediately decide that this is just a nightmare. I'm still asleep after the first quake at 7.15 a.m. Pay no mind to the burning pain and spreading darkness all over my body, or the emptiness I suddenly feel in my stomach and chest, or the literal pool of blood and bile and alien entrails laid before me. It's just a nightmare, I thought, as a huge black spider blotted out the stars in the sky. This is my own personal nightmare. The quake from the demolition scared me, so I'm having a bad nightmare. The spider's huge multifaceted eyes shone in the moonlight, its mandibles snapping and searching. I heard trees fall in the distance. As it got closer, my neighbor's chants grew louder, and I knew it wasn't just this street. It was everyone on the hill, maybe everyone in town. I saw a huge hairy leg move past houses a few streets over. The leg dwarfed the houses. I observed a thick black string oozing out from its spinneret, a thin wisp of smoke billowing up from everything it came in contact with. I then began to hear the chattering of its fangs. I couldn't take it and close my eyes, still kneeling on the sidewalk, rain now pouring down. I sobbed and felt something big and wet on my cheek. I snapped my eyes open, expecting to see the spider, but it was my dog. I sobbed harder and grabbed her, holding her tightly. I watched as the, the giant spider turned and descended toward my street. I could now feel every step it took, rumbling the ground under me. I closed my eyes again and squeezed my dog tightly. Don't worry. Soon I'll wake up from this holding my dog. I cried and lay down on the sidewalk, my body on fire in a hundred spots. My mind was getting foggy and sounds growing distant. More bloody yolk trickled out of the side of my mouth as I weakly heaved. I could hear the song of its fangs getting closer and the rumbling of the ground getting more intense. I squeezed my eyes shut and my dog even tighter. My house shakes violently and I'm scared out of a deep sleep. As I flinch awake, I squeeze my dog who is laying in my arms. I bury my face back in her long fur and think earthquakes aren't typical for West Virginia. And I fall back to sleep. My alarm goes off two hours later. I wake up and move slowly to the bathroom. I look out the window. It's overcast and the clouds look a bruised purple. The end.
2: It was a dream all along. Question mark.
4: Um, question mark.
2: Right. Uh, yeah. So you mentioned you were you were gonna explain a little bit after i think that makes sense
4: do you want me to explain now or dave do you want to go
3: how should we do that what do you think is the better option
4: i'll explain now yeah yeah might as well yeah. so i've been reading a lot of stephen king <laughs> if you couldn't tell see that, yeah. <laughs> by the descriptions that i was going through
3: but to be fair i didn't land there until you said stephen mm-hmm. king
4: and i really was thinking about when we were talking about the demolition, I was really thinking about the rain that happened the rest and of the that day. actually
3: did happen too. Yeah.
4: And it sort of like freaked me out. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, what if like, not only is this Lovecraftian thing that we have just released, but like what happens if, you know, the rain is tainted from all this nasty debris and shit. And then of course I just took that to an extreme, you know, this like Cthulhu-ish extreme. But I, I don't, I shouldn't clarify because everyone should honestly interpret the story how you want. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't feel like it was a dream. I, I didn't write it like it was a dream. I wrote it. That's what happened when the earthquake happened was it put itself into like dimension time loop. And obviously, if it wasn't just a short story, I would go into that a little bit more and do it again. But I thought, honestly, the worst thing, other than vomiting and getting terrified by a spider and seeing all of your neighbors disgusting, um, would be I I had to work all day. (laughs) And then I came home to this.
2: (laughs) And then that that was one of the things I liked about it was it definitely felt like you were there it wasn't like i was watching these things happen when you mentioned the rain sinking into your skin i i was picturing myself looking down and seeing just goo sinking into my yeah, skin
3: th- those yeah. those visuals were excellent thank you that's what
4: i was going for gross so thanks.
2: well you got it
3: all right cool maybe a little bit a la Giuginto, a little Ooh, bit oh yeah,
4: yeah. Oh yeah, I'm imagining it. I was thinking it. of Gyo
3: the entire time. Yeah, because Gyo is about a uh, a ship that sinks with this like this blend of organic and machine technology, and it finds its way into fish, and the fish find their way up on land, mm-hmm. and then the machines find their way into people.
4: If I would have had more time, I think I would have made the spider like out of metal. Mm, no, I liked it. No, just regular.
3: Spider. I, I would say I.
4: Maybe with like burning eyes instead of just regular spider
2: eyes oh you that's know like what
3: male imagery yeah, yeah that's yeah, not yeah, a bad yeah. idea if like the spider emerged but kind of like took the took on the mill it's kind of like a hermit crab shell yeah that, see that would be visually striking because be when cool. you were describing where the legs go by I was thinking of that scene in the mist yeah when they're driving and you just see like the legs that big monster mm-hmm. and the uh when that crab thing when they ran out of the parking lot the first time you just see it snap the guy in half and like go back out into the mist yeah i loved that vagueness but you knew what you were dealing with mm-hmm. like that was great
4: i did all right dave i think it's your turn
2: yeah we can talk more after dave's story. yeah exactly
3: Did you uh, have a title on yours? Oh, I didn't have a title on mine. I'm going to drop my title then.
4: Yeah, because I just I just the title was just like downtown demolition was the title of my notes. So that was just the topic. So that was my title.
3: I kind of feel if you give the title, you're going to be. Looking for the connection between the title and the story yeah, I feel a like bit too much.
4: We can add a title if it's necessary. I mean, I'll, yeah. I'll
3: give the title at yeah. the end, but I'm, I'm pretty really, sure you guys are going to extrapolate what yeah. the title would. Have We're
4: loosey goosey on the rules of actual storytelling. We're feeling this out. Yeah, everything, everything goes.
2: I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The rule is make Ben like your story. Yeah, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. And, that's uh, the rule right Alina's now. Alina's gross Stephen King esque story was uh, a pretty good shot. I liked it. All
3: right. Okay. All right. So I took this idea and did it in the form of a script, although now that I'm thinking about it, I, I did like your first-person narration. I, should, I, I would have been very comfortable with that, but I liked what I did here. So we open to an exterior shot of Weirton Heights on March 9th, 2019, in the morning. So the first thing we uh, see is a news report. A reporter stands in front of an excited crowd overlooking the demolition of the Weirton Steel Basic Oxygen Plant, a massive 20-story steel structure sitting down in the middle of the valley. It's Stan Stanley here, your Johnny on the spot, bright and early overlooking Moon Valley, the former site of Weirton Steel, in anticipation of the demolition soon to be underway. We've been talking to George Gothenball, who at 21 began his career in this very plant. Oh, yup, uh, finished high school, uh, got a job in the mill, you know, like you do. Started a family, put both of my daughters through school because of it. And the plant itself, George, was an engineering marvel at the time. Yeah, some of those beams, I mean... You couldn't imagine how big those beams were. I mean, they were holding that whole building up. To build that building today would be $2 billion or $3 billion. We just took it for granted. And so the cheering and the crowd starts to swell up. Well, all right, here we go, folks. It's all about to go down, 70 years of. Then in the crowd, you start hearing the screaming, and they scream that they see somebody down in the valley running into the mill that's about to be blown up. So you get pleas from the crowd to stop, but that falls in deaf ears. The shockwave from the explosion violently shakes the valley. Screams and cries of disbelief can be heard as we pan out from the news report. So you have kind of the image of the news report and it pans out and you realize you're just watching the news report on a smartphone. And then we go to Under a Bridge in downtown Weirton, July 3rd, 1992. We find that the man running into the mill is the man we're left with now, a disheveled bitter man named Tom Cooper, who has found himself stuck in the past through means way beyond his understanding. To get by, Tom is taken to soliciting himself as a prophet, who for a small fee will answer any question one has about days yet to come, specifically any questions pertaining to happenings between known history and March 9th, 2019, thanks to a smartphone. Tom's phone is perpetually stuck at 20% battery life and has shown no signs of changing for months. Tom, at the moment, is demonstrating his talents to a curious young man seeking some career advice. Yeah, there she goes, the mill of the future. (laughs) Horse shit! This is America, buddy! It's too big to fail! Yeah, well, big and American does not mean much in 2019. (laughs) I mean, no one is ever going to use Chinese steel over American steel or anything from China. I mean, I don't buy it. You don't buy it? I mean, have you ever seen one of these? He shows him his phone. All the best stuff is from China. (laughs) Yeah, buddy, I've seen a calculator before. No, 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 no. (laughs) You see, with this, that's just the tip of the iceberg. I mean, it can be a calculator. But why think inside the rectangle? No time for the grocery store? Have your shopping list done for you on a regular basis. Lonely? Send a mutually accepted dick pic to that special someone. Or hell, play Mortal Kombat with a friend in Vietnam. The possibilities are endless. Meh. I've seen better. Where have you seen better? I mean, that David Copperfield guy made the Statue of Liberty disappear on live TV just last week. Oh god, that was a black curtain. Well, okay, all right, all right. Well, tell me this, future boy. Uh, who's the president of the United States? All right, I'll tell you that right now. Donald Trump. Well, hell. Finally sounds like we're getting our shit together again. <laughs> huh, well, things really never have changed. Okay, all right. Now, how about my $5? I mean, that was more than one question, and you're lucky I'm running a two for today. Well, <laughs> let me give you some free advice, Nostradamus. Beggars can't be choosers <laughs> you know man i don't think that pertains to this at all <laughs> get bent and dirty tom and so ed flips on the bird grabs his nuts tom shakes his head in disgust at the human condition as ed walks away repeating his sick burn laughing as he goes <laughs> beggars can't be choosers tom takes another huge swig from a bottle wrapped in a brown paper bag suddenly there's a commotion from behind a dumpster and we see an irate bum holding a stick and bindle, who rolls a buggy full of his worldly possessions out into view. This is Old Man Dippy. <laughs> Dippy has had it. Oh, the dip man crothers. No, 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 don't be giving Dippy the pleasantries. Only Dippy's friends call Dippy dip man crothers. Dippy, it's out of here. No, no, Dippy, hey, Dippy, wait, man. Oh, Dippy, nothing. You promised Dippy a cut of the gravy from your proprietizing business. Dippy let you live under Dippy's bridge out of the kindness of Dippy's heart and all Dippy's got is no sleep from all of it. Hey, come on, buddy. Come on, come on. Don't leave me. I mean, we've got this great Oscar and Felix chemistry going on. I mean, who's going to keep me company? Here, you want money? I've got... Hey, here, I found these. And he just offers him a handful of junk lint and candy a few loose coins and a quarter machine coin Dippy doesn't even look at it after a hard long stare and a head shake from Dippy Dippy ends the union no amount of bacon or puppy dog eyes is gonna get Dippy to stay and there ain't nothing you're never gonna do about it Dippy leaves rambling to himself and Tom toasts to another failed relationship <sighs> it's okay Dip you know the leaving part's not as hard as it used to be you get used to it the reality of now being alone, homeless, and stuck 27 years in the past starts to set in. Tom's mood shifts to morose as he takes another drink. It's empty. This is the last drawl. He violently smashes the empty bottle against a wall. He grabs the nearest implement of destruction he could find and takes out his frustrations on his makeshift home. As his temper subsides, a man makes his presence known. You, uh, look like you could use one of these. Tom turns to find a small, affable old man smiling at him, a Milwaukee's best in a brown paper bag in one hand, and a large case in the other hand that reads, Lewis P. Wordsworth curiosities from time and space. So, um, where did you come from? Oh, it's not important where I come from, Mr. Cooper. What's important is you have a friend in time of need. "'Is how you know my name important, Mr... Ah, oh, "'Wardsworth! "'Lewis P. Wordsworth, my friend, "'purveyor of curiosities from time and space,' "'he hands Tom the bottle. "'And as to your question, Mr. Cooper, "'word has spread around town "'about a man with knowledge of events yet to pass, "'a man who was in fact stuck out of time. "'Wait a minute, have you... "'I certainly have, Mr. Cooper. "'You and I are the same.' With a flourish, she takes to the suitcase in both hands, allowing four table legs to telescope to the ground, clicking open the latch lets out a whole display of curious wares, pictures from his travels, and other tchotchkes. We are travelers of the unknown, transients through fabric of space. The things we've seen, the places we've been. I, I could sing you songs about the beauty of the Fernball Traverse. I've marveled the ruby geysers of Devon's Cross, talked philosophy and the meaning of love with great elders of Bithenian. All this time, I've just I've just longed for somebody to travel with. Someone with a mutual understanding of our situation. I could only imagine where you've been, Mr. Cooper. Please, please, do tell. So Wordsworth pulls out a flask to toast Tom, waiting for tales of adventure with a patient smile. Well, um, uh... Ah, uh, I've um, uh, dined with the finest barons of Portillo, uh, swam through the Gutenberg with dolphins, dog fins, swam with dog fins, aquatic canines from space, and and in my most recent adventures, I did battle with an evil space princess, Princess Amala Orgavan? Oh, my dear boy, that is a nasty piece of work. Well, not exactly, Princess Jessica of Westerville. Oh, I know. can't say I've been. It's a hard pass. You're not missing much. Well, now, just let me ask you this, Mr. Cooper. How exactly have you been able to pinpoint the location of the flux storm? You know, those things have been devilishly random for me. I've been stuck here in this time and place for going on three years now. I'm about due for a change of scenery. So Tom's in a corner and he can't talk himself out of this one. He does not know what the hell he's talking about. <laughs> okay. Look, come to Jesus. I don't know what happened. See, 2019 started off like a fart, okay? Princess Jessica found herself a better space prince after she found out that I was no prince. Maybe some sort of a space clown, but no space prince. The cat. The cat that lives on my porch, just up and left out of nowhere. And after all that turkey. And then, and you know, just one morning, one morning, I thought it might be fun to be drunk before 10 a.m. So I took a stroll. And that stroll led me to a building that was about to be blown up. And I thought it would be fun to be blown up as well. You know, just following whimsy. Oh, well, uh, that's awfully trite. And you know what the real kick in the ass is? Is that I never got to see the Game of Thrones finale. That was one week away. But you have a looking glass of the future. And he hands Wordsworth a cell phone who stares at it with sudden interest. It's a goddamn cell phone. The only thing special about it is that it's been stuck on 20% since I got here and still going strong. And, and it's useless. The only future I have is up to March 9th, 2019. I can't see anything past that. So, Wordsworth suddenly excited smiles with a scheming glint in his eye. Oh, fantastic. Oh, this is perfect. You, you, my boy. You and I, you, we were meant to cross paths. I mean, you know, I am more than perfectly qualified to help you with all of your problems. Oh, so, so you can take me home? Well, you know, more like a business transaction. You see, your uh, phone, as well as yourself, have been doused in flux radiation, which creates a sort of stasis field. You, my friend, are a non-time event in a timeline you don't belong in. <laughs> Why, I'm surprised you're not a pile of dust by now. <laughs> but that flux energy has kept you alive and is also the key to traveling through the flux storm. Oh, this is just what I've been looking for. Wordsworth is distracted, mumbling to himself as he's digging through his on-the-go curiosity shop. Tom feels completely ignored now. Maybe he said too much to a complete stranger. Wordsworth, uh, mind if I have that back? He reaches for the phone. Wordsworth reacts like an animal protecting its kill, but quickly puts his sales face back on. Oh, oh, pardon me, uh, what, what were we talking about again? My phone. Ah, yes but before that, the mill, it's, it's, it's that mill down in the valley there, is it where the flux storm erupted? Correct? Yeah? Ah, excellent, excellent. An awkward moment as Tom notices Wardsworth clearly scheming. Oh, 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 pardon me. You know, I can't begin to thank you enough, Mr. Cooper. He finds what he was looking for in his case. He pulls out a device looking much like a VR headset. Unfortunately, I can't help you with the princess, the missing cat, or any matters of heartbreak for that instance, but I can do this. He offers the headset to Tom, who hesitantly takes it. After putting it on, Tom's confusion turns to purulation as the Game of Thrones theme begins to play. Wordsworth's smile turns from warm to sinister as he watches Tom, who begins scratching at an itching around his neck. It doesn't help. Panicked, he begins to feel faint as his body temperature begins to rise. He tries to pull off the headset, but it's stuck. Mr. Cooper, I'm sorry. It's really nothing personal. Tom begins to deteriorate into a 20-year-old. But like any uncharted frontier, you must always, always remember to be careful with who you trust. Tom is now a teenager struggling like hell trying to get the headset off. I do thank you, however, as a friend. Because of you, I'm no longer subject to this depressing, uninspiring, Biring pile of refuse you call Weirton. Tom is now a blubbering five-year-old. I'll remember you fondly, Tom Cooper. Wardsworth coldly stares down at the remains of Tom, which are now just a pile of white ash. He casually picks the headset up off the ground. Its wiring leads to a device that is now aglow with a purple hue. A large digital display reads 80%. Wordsworth places Tom's phone in a small clear compartment atop the device. The device wars with life. The phone is crushed by some unseen force like being sucked into a black hole and assimilates itself into the device. The digital display now reads 100%. Wordsworth smiles, pleased with himself. And then we cut to exterior. Weirton, morning, July 3rd, 2102. The music is Gene Pitney's A Town Without Pity, just for a little more fun. So we Mm -hmm. cut to a close-up of Wordsworth's face, and he's emerging from the plant. The usual confidence in his demeanor is gone. Confused and shaken, he takes in his surroundings, and we slowly pan out to see that Wordsworth is in the middle of a wasteland that used to be Weirton. As he explores the ruins, we cut to a view from a sniper scope. A shot fires. Wordsworth takes a bullet right to the leg, collapsing him to the ground. From all around, a gang of post-apocalyptic raiders descend upon him. They don't speak English, but communicate in a clicking guttural language. They run off with his briefcase, much of his attire. And leave him for dead. The last image is a tight shot of Wordsworth whimpering on the ground as we play out the gene, and it just tight on his face and pulls up and up. You just see him in the middle of just a war-torn Weirton. And he's fucked. Karma gets him.
4: That was good. That was really good.
3: That was really good over there. That, that yeah. was good. <laughs> I- <laughs> it's gonna be a tough one guys
4: so i really so first of all i loved that you had humor at all because i don't know how to write humor i didn't well. at first
3: and that's what that's why i was kind of giggling because my story was like almost in the same van as yours where it was the perspective of, of this disaster yeah but i thought what if i just took him out of the disaster and he never saw it where does that guy go
4: yes and i liked that <sighs> I really I like the words the Wordsworth character and,
3: and, and I'm gonna I'm gonna out myself that is Burgess Meredith from the Twilight Zone yeah it it's was, all those characters smushed
4: it was so good <laughs> when he started like when you started were talking about the phone and he like started protecting it I was like oh shit I was like this guy is fucked and I also really liked how both of our stories the main character was fucked
2: <laughs> yeah <laughs> they were very different but there was a common thread of. Absolutely no hope. No,
4: yeah, and nothing that the other that that the characters could do at all. There was just it was outside of their capacity. uh I liked that a lot. That was that was really funny. Wow, I like that.
2: I bet you could you could think about those themes and uh the Weird and Steel Mill for for quite a while. I'm sure.
3: See, and I was kind of nervous because I was thinking the entire time. Oh, you wrote. You were like a. About the plan and about what happened. I was like, did I do it wrong? No. Like mine was just the book end of it. Like it just it's a little small plot detail. But that that was that's where my mind is, because and I like that. And that's why we're good together like this. It's because I'm good at like throwing random shit at a wall and smashing it into shapes. And you're really good at forming things like smoothing out curves. So
4: correct. Yes.
3: Like I liked how tight your story was. Mine. I, I wanted to take fun little turns, but I wasn't sure those turns would be clean. Right. And in the first draft, they weren't clean at all. And Wordsworth wasn't even a part of it. And it was just a fellow time traveler or a dimension hopper that got stuck there, too. And I had problems with that because I wanted these characters to have some background. And Wordsworth was ominous enough. And I love that sort of ominous Mm -hmm. character in stories like that. When I I clicked in with Burgess Meredith, the character came to life because in the Twilight Zone, if anybody picking up on it, Wordsworth is um, the character from Obsolete Man who plays a librarian who's being sentenced to death by the state. And he pulls a fast one on the state. I don't want to spoil it for you. It's a great episode. But I couldn't get that character out of my head. And once I had that... I had the story.
4: Yeah, yeah. I felt like once I once I thought about like the rain and I've been I've been I actually just finished Desperation by Stephen King. I don't know. I know Benjamin has read it, which by the way, I've started regulators. It's fucking crazy because it's like the same people, <laughs> but it's not. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, I was like I was reading it and that's what I had like in my head. I had all these like really gory details and that's what I wanted to I, don't, I, I mean, I guess it is a metaphor. Sometimes that's how I feel about a Weirton.
3: That's where your strength was, is I just had vague little mashups of Weirton in my head. You nailed it specifically. Like, you had a feeling. I like when you describe the turn signal down, they're not working. And just living on the street, I saw it perfectly clear, but still not even knowing... What everything looks like. I saw Mike and Karen next door turn and turn into those things. Yes. It was horrifying. <laughs> yeah. But I think you visually got Weirton much better than I did.
4: And I wanted to like I liked that everything was vague. Like the main character didn't have a name. Like the roommate was still just the roommate. The neighbors. Like you could Wait. you could put anyone in there.
2: Okay. Well, when I was listening to your story. The roommate was definitely Dave, right? Well, I mean, he
3: is my roommate, but you could put when you said the discount clothing (laughs) (laughs) uniform.
4: (laughs) I almost said Sam's Club uniform, but there was something about like the discount clothing store. I like that better. Like
3: the the less specific you were, I like the vagueness of it all.
4: I like being specific about the details of the horror, but not being specific about the people involved and Mm -hmm. like what was actually like going on.
3: Which all that matters, you you went for pure horror and yes. I went for like sci-fi humor.
4: Correct. Yeah. Yes. If you yes. You've
2: squeezed in several very memorable characters <laughs> into a very short story. Like I hope that
3: I have a headache Cooper, now.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I hope Cooper Wordsworth or is it Wadsworth or Wordsworth? Wordsworth. Cooper Wordsworth. I, I hope he shows up in
3: some Cooper's more dead for sure. Cooper, Wordsworth Wordsworth was yeah. left for dead. Yeah I think well, le- if you're a time traveler, yeah, we don't. We may see Wordsworth. I don't know. yeah exactly. Who knows? He may I, pop up again.
2: So I've started thinking about this as uh, Cronenberg versus Steven Moffat. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect, man. <laughs> that is the perfect. Impression I'm getting. Um,
4: yeah, Benjamin. What did you like about them? What did you? What What would you have done differently?
3: I'm going to hear that from you too. Okay. Yeah. Um. Uh, that's I, Yeah, I don't know. I didn't write
2: this story, so <laughs> I, I will say that some of the timey-wimey stuff was a little bit jarring. Um, it oh. did take me a second mm-hmm. to orient myself in 1992 <laughs> and figure out what was happening, but that, I think, was an okay part of the story. Like, being disoriented was part of it. Uh, once you say, oh, he's got a cell phone, it's been stuck on 20% battery this whole time, I was like, okay, I get it now. This is... This is what he's doing. He's living under a bridge playing with his cell phone all day.
3: <laughs> that um, never dies. I
4: love
2: it. And then oh, and I liked I liked how he got time vampired in the end. Like, I like uh, that he got sucked in by Game of Thrones.
3: That was, yeah. I saw what I was visualizing really What good. I was visualizing from that was um you know, at the end of back to the future one where doc comes back and he has the Mr. Fusion thing. I imagine that that case that he's carrying somewhere in there, he has like this fusion device that he siphons that time, that flux energy with. I didn't want to go into detail because like you said, the sci-fi stuff, I just, it vomited out of my imagination. I was like, okay, flux storms. Let's go with it.
2: Yeah. It fit. Even, even when he started to turn evil, I didn't expect Tom to, like, become a teenager. That was a scary little moment. Yeah, that was And cool. then become a blubbering child. That was another that, like, ratcheted up the scariness. hmm There was an apocalypse. I definitely am wondering about the apocalypse. Was it flux radiation or was it...
3: It's just people being people. When did I say the date was? I want to see if you guys can see. it. 2102?
4: 2122? Something like that?
3: Which is whenever Vault 76 opens up. Uh,
4: (laughs) I didn't catch that.
3: West Virginia, just (laughs) that stupid little Easter egg in there. What about my story, Benjamin?
2: Um, Your story. Okay, your story definitely had great visuals. So, like, it didn't really have... Many characters outside of your dog Summer, <laughs> even even the main character didn't have too many like reactions outside of horror, so you don't really get to know them that well. But I felt like I could see Dave, Dave. Even mentioned this earlier. I could see Weirton in like that sort of dim, overcast light. When you talked about the silhouettes of people on the street, that was really cool. Like abandoned cop cars. Yeah. I could I could see everything. And then so when that went into disgusting gross piles of uh black goo and vomit and blood and red chunks (laughs) like having that background of just a like overcast city was pretty gross and cool and very good what else uh the spider in the sky and you mentioned the song of its fangs
4: yeah Mm
3: -hmm.
2: I, i i can't really think of what like fangs the size of a skyscraper would sound like.
3: I, I saw like a bloodborne dark soul sort of monster.
4: Actually funny, uh funny fact about that, that line, I wrote that wrong. It wasn't <laughs> supposed to be song of its fangs. It was supposed yeah. to be sound. And then when I like re- the song, Oh, I reread yeah. it and I was like, no, we're going to stick with that because like I had all of like the, the audio of like the wet chanting, And I felt like it would all come together to this like chanting wet, like almost like um, I was thinking of uh, like sharpening a knife like over and over again. Like that's what I was thinking about was like that like sound, okay, you know.
3: Yeah, that that's one thing, and, and I mean, this is nothing we could have done about it because we didn't have seven days to prepare sound effects. Yeah, no. Like, <laughs> I, I I had sound going in my head, but I think for the listener, it would be a lot. It would be really fun to hear some of the visuals that we had for bo- or, or audio things we had for both these. Like the song at the end of mine was kind of ironic to um to the end of the whole story, but like I liked yours. I wanted to hear like that chanting. Yeah. I wanted to hear that clatter. Yeah.
4: And I would have really liked if like throughout the whole, like especially after like my, the main character got off of work and like drove back into town and it was raining just like a, like a, a rain just like sound behind everything after that. Because that's, like, the big reveal is when... And that was also, like, very specific about how I... Like, my garage is full of shit, so I would actually never pull into my garage. But it was, like, a big thing where, like, she pulls into the garage and walks into the kitchen, hasn't been outside at all. Like, didn't walk outside until she ran outside after her roommate came after her, Mm -hmm. like a crazy person.
3: That was legit scary, too. Like, that me obviously that being kind of my archetype in the story that was terrifying
4: but then like I knew like the door like for example doesn't actually close like yeah. none of our doors actually yeah. close
3: that was awesome yeah those little details of the house yeah Uh
4: huh. so like I would if that actually happened I would have to keep the door shut and hold it shut mm-hmm. Um, so like, just like weird stuff like that. I just wanted to take everything that I knew. So like I knew about the explosion. I knew how the house was laid out. I knew that I wanted rain and I'd been listening to all this terrifying, like body Stephen King horror. And I was like, you know what? It's all going into a story right now.
3: (laughs) Yep. That's how it happened. Yeah.
4: And I, I, I actually had like, I had a ton of fun writing it. And when I even went back, like there was like a time like it was like right before you got home from work and I had just finished writing it and then like rewriting it. And I was like, I have to I have to like write, I have to read it out loud, <laughs> you know, because I have to see because we're trying to get these stories under 10 minutes just in general. Yeah, I'm,
3: I, I'm interested to see how what we did.
4: Yeah, mine is 930. I think last like when I actually timed it i think it was like nine minutes and 30 seconds and i thought that was kind of long i almost cut out the middle part where she throws up that black string
2: oh no (laughs) that's great Mm -hmm. That but, made me deeply uncomfortable. Yeah,
4: that was always one of the worst parts of uh, the Ring movie when oh, she like yeah. coughs up that hairy string, and then I thought about it like catching, Blech. like when you pulled it out, like it wrapped Blech. around you, and Blech. I was like, oh, like you know, pulling, ugh, pulling stuff like that out of your throat's gotta be fucking gross. Yeah, I, I then I, I decided not to not to take it out once I realized I I spent so long on it, and I was like, no, I like it; it's gonna stay in.
3: No, no, the the yeah. subtlety was perfect it spoke to your personality <laughs>
4: <laughs> well like I really liked like in your I don't think honestly I I can't think of anything that I would have really done differently in your story the,
3: see that's this and I know we this is a challenge but it's like sometimes it's like uh, I really think we're gonna have you will write stories we're like you know I would have loved to see this or you know elaborated on this little detail but I think we're just so excited and what happened with the steel plant was so unique and crazy, and like we took that day and actually went there and looked at it. Yeah, and yeah. Spent some time down mm-hmm. Weird Avenue. Yeah, and I'm not gonna say it affected me emotionally, but it it, it stirred something. Yeah, it and, was, and really this was, and it turned into this. So mm-hmm.
4: yeah, we actually took pictures of it. uh There are pictures up online already of it before it got demolished. But I'm actually working on right mm-hmm. now editing the pictures of it after it was demolished, and we just have I have pictures of like all the debris and everything still just like laying there.
3: Yeah, if you check oh, out our yeah. Instagram, that's where. Uh, Um, that's what cc and the rest of us are posing in front of Mm -hmm. that big time back there yeah which good job by the way
2: those pictures i took of the frozen stairs were sick as fuck so can you guys describe what it looks like now what is what does the wreckage look like it's
4: just scrap Mm -hmm. metal in a huge fucking pile
3: and that's where the end of my story came from just seeing that and seeing him emerge from out of that and how i described it you just see that huge pile and just that Bare in place now with nothing there.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's nuts. But I was thinking about all those. Like, if you watch the video, I don't know if you've watched the video of like it being demolished, Benjamin, but I did. I, you, many can, times. you can see those houses on Weir Avenue being engulfed mm-hmm. okay, in that right. destruction.
2: So I hope everyone that listens to this podcast goes and watches those videos. Uh, the Weirton Steel BOP plant demolition. It's not hard to find.
4: No, there's a ton um, of videos.
2: And and since you brought that up, I think I, I have like two more fun facts that I was saving. Okay. And then I think I'm going to make my ruling. All right. And we, can, we can keep talking. Okay. So um, this comes from the Observer Reporter. I'm not sure where where this news organization is from, but the Um, observer. it's like
4: Washington, Benjamin.
2: Okay, Yeah. yeah. Um, As a matter of safety, the Weirton police and fire departments will enforce a 1000 foot exclusion zone during the demolition. And the general public was required to remain outside of that zone for those living within the exclusion zone. So already off to kind of a rocky start. Yeah, that's not very far. The exclusion zone includes a bunch of houses uh, and the people living along Weir Avenue between Pennsylvania Avenue and Watson Street are advised to either leave their homes or if they remain home during the demolition, they should, quote, stay away from the side of their home facing the basic oxygen plant. Also, (laughs) residents are advised to, quote, not watch the demolition through their windows
3: <laughs> then don't do it then don't do it mysterious man or mysterious
2: buyer so mysterious <laughs> buyers i don't know uh, what their predictions were for the houses next to the bop but I, it wasn't good
3: i have this sick feeling we have a listener right now going yeah i was one of those buyers you shit bags
2: right. well, yeah, and there is a class action lawsuit uh in, possibly in the works
3: can i talk can I talk about, I think it was, I, I forget which news, news organization did it. It wasn't WTOB 9, but they went up to Weir Avenue, and I think they were talking to Mike Nogue, who's a pretty, but he's been around the area as a lawyer for a while, a lawyer. and I will quote him, and I thought this was the most unnecessary quote. We're looking at the nine eleven of Weirton, West Virginia. Yeah. Ouch, Mike. Yeah, ouch. few broken windows, Mike. Yeah, property damage, it sucks. Probably that's all in the ventilation of the house, but goddamn, man. <laughs> Calm down.
4: Yeah, we um we actually went, as we were saying earlier, we went and walked. Um, this was on Thursday, we went and walked on Weir Avenue. And it was fucking, I mean, it's it's never great down there, but I felt it like it was extra dusty. And I felt I was I was saying we were down there, I was like, I felt itchy. Like I honestly felt like there was still Crap in the air, and we saw a ton of panhandle cleaning people down there.
3: Yeah, still going at it.
4: Yeah. So, but the,
3: but the day it happened was seven in the morning. A couple hours later, they hit Weir Avenue with uh, panhandle cleaning trucks, and they just sprayed everything, which created sooty mud.
4: Mm-hmm. And then it rained. So I feel like as I as we were talking about this, we have cancer. Yeah. <laughs>
3: There, there's your black goo <laughs> this is how yeah. it goes down
4: yeah cancer
3: all right guys and here's a question can there ever be a draw no no no, okay, no. draws enough. are
2: not allowed i mean uh, yeah that, that'll be up to the next judge i i'm not gonna call a draw although it was very close i'm proud of both of you <laughs> uh, there, there is a, a silver medal in this contest though, <laughs> so no draws but you get a silver medal. Okay. And the prize for this week's contest anyway is I'm going to give you – give the winner two options, and they'll get to pick between those two as to what oh. next week's theme will be.
3: I think the judge okay. could always do that. Okay. that's like a good that. one. I like that. I,
2: I, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean another judge might be able to pick it and give you a different prize. Who knows? Uh, okay. But the winner is – drumroll – it's Alina. Yeah! I would I would
3: have you uh, <laughs> so was Alina, celebrating. Uh, I would have um, given it to you. Your too. Your imagery was <laughs> awesome, and
2: basically you won because you caused me to suspend my disbelief. Thank I you. was in your story a hundred percent and it was scary. Uh, Dave, I think if you had more time to work on this, you would have won. One of one of the, the big things was I, I kept getting taken out of the story when you would sort of pause and gather your thoughts, um, because your, your story had sweet characters, and I think I would would have connected to the characters more if I could have stayed in the story better.
3: I know, and I think so that's with, the disadvantage. With
2: some editing, the script you there. would have won, man. <laughs> uh, but congratulations, Alina. <laughs> Good job, man. That was great. That, no
4: game of pros, winner over here. Uh huh.
2: I'm striving for a win. (laughs) Here were my two best ideas for next week's Bandite Scario game of pros. Okay. You'll get to pick. Topic number one, alien abduction. Okay. And that's courtesy of me listening to last podcast on the left a lot this week. Topic number two, video games.
4: We're going to go with video games. Okay. We're (laughs) going to go with that because I feel like Dave would have an advantage Of me advantage for alien abductions, I feel like we're on we're on level playing ground with video games. So video games will be, and we will have it ready by neck by it should be ready by Sunday, because we'll either I would say it has to be ready by Sunday morning. It just depends on who we get to judge. We'll Mm -hmm. either record it Sunday or Monday. Long story short, even if we have to like digress on when we record, our our writing time has to be either seven days. Or maybe eight, seven and a half days. But we need that time constriction. Because I guarantee you, sometimes that time constriction will make one of us not as good as the other one. And that's the point.
3: <laughs> Almost <laughs> happened over here.
4: <laughs> like, that's the point. And I, I fully anticipate myself to put out one a few shitty stories just for time constraints. And guess what? That's the whole point of this, though. It's it's a contest <laughs> Oh, see, Summer's still happy that I won because I was. She was in my story.
2: Summer can't read.
4: She was or a big part podcast. of my story. She could
3: hear. She could only interrupt them. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited. Yeah, and um, anybody listening, tell us what you think. Yes,
4: in the future, I'm. I, we are also considering having a poll. So we would still have our judge just for obvious reasons in case, you know, people don't want to poll. But I feel like having a poll would be fun too. We have we have a pretty good array of judges. Yeah. And we can always pull from the bottom of the barrel or the top of the barrel. It's, well <laughs> we have to get my mom on sometime, hey. we will. <laughs> but that
3: <laughs> she'll always come but on. But that's good. That gets a lot of different judges in here.
4: Yes, exactly. So it won't always be the same kind of person. And I feel your
3: us. mom will just pick you. <laughs> I'm actually surprised my brother picked me. So I, I feel I may be on a hot streaks at some point and you're going to bring in your mom as a tool.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have a really bad week and I'm bringing my mom.
2: <laughs> it's all politics in these podcast pro's contests. <laughs>
4: Benjamin, I'm so glad that you were on, that we convinced you to do this because you were there yeah, when thanks, we started buddy. fighting with each other.
2: <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was an honor. But, boy, I, I'm glad to have this burden of responsibility off my shoulders. <laughs> Dave, I hope we're still friends. I hope you don't hold it against
3: Never. me. Never. Never. <laughs> All right. Like I said, uh, I would yeah, have given guys. it to her too. It was a lot of fun.
4: Yes, it was super fun, and maybe, maybe Benjamin one day because that's the other thing I was thinking is one day we could have other people write stories too.
3: Ooh, a three-way, a
4: three-way, or oh, a two-way. Yeah,
2: I'd love to go head-to-head with you guys sometimes. Yeah,
4: or like you and Dave go head-to-head, or him or you and I do. Yeah, we're we're all about. We can do anything. Yeah, with we this. Can, yeah. we can do anything. Guess what? It's our podcast. We can do whatever we want.
3: Ben, thank you. Alina, thank you. And congratulations. Thanks. Dave, (laughs) do better next time.
4: (laughs) I'll be bragging about it all week. Don't worry.
3: A Midnight Scario production.